This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Here's Where It Went Wrong, the podcast where we talk about our absolute favorite things in pop culture and then focus on the absolute worst versions of those things. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Andrew Nadeau. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Wen? Oh, man, I could not be better. I am off work. I got my beer in my hand. We're not sponsored by them, so I will not say their name. And uh, I'm ready to talk about some bad movie making. Wait, do we have to be worried about that? Can we not mention any brands that aren't sponsoring us? I didn't even consider that. Oh, this is good. This is you a nice what? pressure to add. No, no, no. I just... Well, I just figured, why risk it? I don't want to just have Bicolo Bultra knocking down our door. I mean, as you know, I spend about 90% of my time discussing my favorite shoe brands. So this is going to be a real tough one. But uh, I'm excited to get going. We have actual oh, yeah, yeah, sponsors. Yeah. You know why? We're not plug them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you a Fikey or a Smeebok guy? You came up with those so quick. <laughs> these are awesome brand names. I'm going to make these shoes now. <laughs> Yeah, I just said Spikey and Smeebok. That was not my best work. But anyways, Andrew, what's how's your week been going, man? It's been going good. Uh, my uh, girlfriend just got back. She has been, uh, she's our family, for, or went back home for the first time in two years. Uh, but uh, she was also gone for like two months, and now she is quarantining until I can see her again. So, uh, you know, going to have a, a nice weekend. But until then, we're just kind of waiting. Gotcha, gotcha. So she's all locked away in her tower, and you're going to hang out whenever it's uh, it's no longer dangerous to do so. Yeah, I'm just on call. I, I'm just, I just go where I told what I'm told. It's kind of like about you? That, How's your week going? Uh, oh, it's good. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about that scene in Chernobyl where that woman goes into the hospital room to like, hug her husband, and he's just like made of poison. That is, <laughs> that is exactly where my brain went. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm hoping we're going to be in a better situation than that. She seems completely fine. Um, I really but, do you know, hope we're it's better than Chernobyl, open yeah. Drama. God, that was a bummer. Yeah, like, I mean, the, the, this series, obviously the real thing was a bummer. <laughs> it's just describing it as a bummer is way too light for one of the worst man-made disasters in history. Hey, guys, if you are wondering where the here's where it went wrong stance was on the Chernobyl about disaster, <laughs> bummer. This conversation. That is our official... <laughs> That is our official response to the Chernobyl nuclear disaster. Totes bummer, guys. <laughs> uh, my week. My week is good, man. Uh, sports are back. I know this will come out later, but uh, basketball starts back tomorrow. Uh, I know that means nothing to you, Andrew, but to me, it's my entire personality. So, I, You know, my, my tie-in here is, I'm not sure I've mentioned this. You know, I have an autographed Michael Jordan jersey, like a personally autographed one. Did we not discuss this? You've never told me this, Andrew, and that makes me so mad to know that you have it, knowing that it is basically a napkin to you. I, I know. I've been waiting for the podcast to, to, tell, to tell one about this. No, I got it for my 13th birthday. Apparently, someone that worked with my dad like handled Jordan's money, so he uh, had him autograph his jersey for me. I've got it framed. It's like right next to me at the moment. Was your dad's friend an accountant or a blackjack dealer? 
<laughs> it was it was very professional. It was all completely above board. But either way, okay, I, I was have just a wondering that I'm pretty sure you don't have. Either one of those could have been handling Michael Jordan's money at any given yeah. point. <laughs> so uh, in terms of, you know, but this was before I lived in Chicago. So now I'm in Chicago with a Jordan jersey. So I've got to appreciate it at least a little bit more. You got to at least hang it up. And when people ask about it, you could just point to it and just be like, yeah, it's, it's DeWalt yeah, Accord. It's, oh, I, doesn't everyone have one of these? Yeah. All right. All right. So you have a Jordan jersey. I am drinking uh, a nondescript beer. Uh, so we are both doing great. Hey, as long as we're doing this, you want to get hear a quick word from our sponsors? I would love to hear a quick word from our sponsors now that you mentioned it. Please tell me more about our sponsors. Well, as you know, when sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, features, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. On the entertainment side, Floyd Money Mayweather joins the Bet Online team to bring you a brand new segment, The Ice is Right. Floyd talks about all his jewelry and gives you the chance to bet on the cost of his bling to win some great prizes. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports events. Uh, sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. I'm going to be honest, I might actually, I, I'll probably be going on bet online this week when the NBA starts back because uh, I feel, I'm feeling lucky. I feel like I can uh, retire and, and make some basketball money. Yeah, that has always worked for everybody. That, that's, uh, that seems like a great idea. Look, I watched the first hour and a half of Uncut Gems. I'm feeling pretty good about this. I believe in you, Wen. It's, you know what? We got them as a sponsor. They're probably on your side. Let's go for it. Exactly. Promo code BLUEWIRE. There you go, guys. All right. So this week, we are going to dive into something that personally, I love a little bit more than most things. Uh, We are going to be talking about the 1989 through 1997 Batman films starring Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, and George Clooney as Batman. Andrew, please, what are your thoughts on these movies? I was a fan. Uh, I, I was a fan ever since they had Danny DeVito dress up vaguely like a penguin. And we're just like, yeah, this makes sense. Uh, it, it was fantastic. I do just want one Batman movie where it has all of them together, just kind of arguing about which one is the real Batman. I feel like that would be the best Batman movie possible. Just, just get Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, and George Clooney in a room and just have them fight it out for a little bit. Yeah, just all wearing their individual Batman costumes and being like, okay, we, we got to decide this one. And, you know, then film it. See what happens. I'm going to be Batman honest. Batman 9 is, right there. My money is 100% on Michael Keaton. I love, 100%. I love the 1989 Batman so much. If you want to hear how bad this is, on our, like, first big uh, Valentine's together, me and my wife, we were in college at the time, uh, we, like – got a nice hotel room, ordered a bunch of room service, and we watched the 1989 Michael Keaton Batman. <laughs> what, what I love and, is, and you know, not only is that story great. You want to you hear the, the best part about it? Yes. She picked the movie. I did not pick the movie we watched. I married perfectly. Yeah, I would feel like at that point you just went out and bought the ring. 
But I, I feel like what's great about this story is is not only is it adorable, but just incredibly on brand for when. I realize this is the second episode. You guys are still getting to know him. But it's like, oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> of course. Of course he's a huge nerd that would watch Batman on Valentine's Day and consider that a romantic evening. Fantastic. But honestly, I mean, the, the original series I thought was great. The thing I've been loving so much lately uh, that might have actually overtaken as my top Batman anything is the Harley Quinn series. I am so surprised by how much I love it. I, I So my, my buddy uh, gave me his DC login, and so I went through and I binged so much of that Harley Quinn series, and it's so good. It just it rips apart every Batman cliche, and it's so much fun. And you can tell that you know the guys making it love like particularly these like 1989 through 1997 movies there's so many references to them throughout uh and i'm just such this whole series the 1989 through 1997 batman are some of like my most watched movies of all time that i'm I'm really excited to be doing this one i i have seen them all multiple times i'm sure i don't have the same number as when does but yeah absolutely this was a fantastic series so that's what Jack we loved Nicholson about us. Jack the Joker, fantastic. Danny DeVito as Penguin and Michelle Pfeiffer, fantastic. I actually enjoyed Jim Carrey as the Riddler in Batman Forever. So you got a batting average of, of Batman, Batman Returns, and Batman Forever, all super enjoyable. It's I, I pull back a little more than went on Batman Forever, but I will agree. I mean, that, that is, it was still a fun one. Fair enough. So that, that was it. Those were the great Batmans. So... What's next, Wen? Well, here's where it went wrong, Andrew. Here it is. Batman and Robin, 1997. Oh Tell us a little bit about this movie, Andrew. All right, so I've got an official recap here. I mean, official. It was on IMDb. It was, it was written by Blazer346, so we'll see how official. But here we go. <laughs> For quite some time, the dynamic duo of Batman and Robin worked to continuing the mission of protecting Gotham City from evil forces. But now their relationship is challenged when they must fight the villainous duo of Icy, Mr. Freeze, and Venomous, Poison Ivy, who seek to freeze Gotham and repopulate it with mutant plants. At the same time, the heroes must find a way to cure their sick butler, Alfred, while they also receive some help from new heroine, Batgirl. Okay, Blazer, if you are somehow listening to this, great description. It makes it sound like this movie was somewhat good. <laughs> What I love about this is that it it feels like a little disjointed and not because Blazer did anything wrong. It was just because there is no way to put all of these elements together in a way where it makes sense that they're all in one movie. This movie makes absolutely no sense. And I I forgot how much I didn't like it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, the rewatch was um, the rewatch was a lot. Because here's the thing. It starts with that Danny Elfman score. It's the same score from the 1989 Batman, and it makes you feel like you are about to watch like that caliber of film. Oh, it's iconic. It brings you right into it. And then the and first it's showing, scene. The names are flying across the screen. You have the logos and everything. I was so ready to watch. I was like, you know what? Maybe Batman Robin's actually better than I remembered. And then very first no. scene, close up on those rubber nipples. And I realize that's what everybody makes fun of because it's easy. But also, like, this was the first shot. They show you them putting on the suit in pieces. Close up of rubber nipples. Close up of the sculpted butt costume. And it was like, yeah, this is how we want to introduce everyone. 
to what this movie is going to be. Look, Joel Schumacher, may he rest in peace, was just like, look, I am making Batman movies for me, and here's, this is a shot for me, and here's one for the fans, and that's how I'm going to do this movie. This is for me, this is for you. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. So you know what? If he was able to be like George Clooney, bring that ass closer to the camera, I do not knock him for that, because that is probably <laughs> why he got into directing in the first place. You know what? He, he had an opportunity. He went for it. I can't really fault him for that. You're right. But they, it's just, this opening is, is so dramatic. You, you see the bat cave lit up with neon. We're also like, who, who is this, this for? Nobody else is down here. You spent so much time and effort. It's not like you can bring contractors. You have to lay this neon down yourself just for you and Robin to hang out in occasionally. Like everything feels like it was designed by someone who forgot they were supposed to do it. So just kind of like ask their 10-year-old what he thought would be cool and then just put it in. I mean, in. that's fair because the Batmobile in this movie has like a spinning glow light in the front of it, which makes absolutely no sense. Zero reason for it. Uh, but they show but here, us it quick. The movie lets you know exactly how it's going to go, though, because the first line of dialogue spoken is Robin going, I want a car. Chicks dig the car. Followed by Batman going, this is why Superman works alone. And then they tell Alfred not to wait up, and he goes, I'll cancel the pizza. And those lines all happen one after another of just, like, terrible writing. It makes you immediately takes you out of this being a Batman movie. It's just like, these are all lines for children if they're watching, like a, if they're watching it on TV right now. Right. So, right. It, it feels very much like dialogue that would have been put in had it all been cursing and they had to edit it down to PG. That's what it, the whole movie <laughs> felt like. By the way, when and I, uh, we, we discuss what we, the, the scenes we want to talk about, but we don't cover any of our jokes beforehand because we want this to be fresh. I have the exact same notes here about the first line. And it was just, this is, this is what they want the movie to start as. It, and it just tells you so much. You know what, if, if nothing else, it sets the tone for exactly what the rest of the movie is going to be. It does. It's like the rest of it is like, oh yeah, it is just this, but more. So they are doing this big setup uh, for them to go out and catch Mr. Freeze, who has probably been at the museum stealing for about an hour now while they did the whole suit up and riffing sequence. Right. Everything in the museum is frozen for zero reason. He has had to have been there for so long and more guards keep kind of running in whenever they need someone to punch. But other than that, they're just kind of hanging back. <laughs> this should have been a quick smash and grab. You didn't have to freeze the whole museum right, for there was, this. There was no, uh, also, what is this museum where they have diamonds, vases, and dinosaurs all in the same room? Not even in the same wing. It was. What are you focusing on, museum? Look, in their defense, and I know I'm jumping ahead to a different sequence in this show, the 1989 Batman also had a museum that was one room and just a bunch of stuff. So <laughs> if nothing else, they're continuing in that spirit. All right, at least they're true to form. I feel a bit better about that, I guess. I don't really... So Freeze is, is yeah, he's, he's freezing the, the whole museum. Batman and Robin come in through the ceiling uh, for no reason. Like, it's a museum. There are a lot of entrances. And... Uh, Batman enters by skating, surfboarding down a dinosaur. Uh, that's, like he's that's how Fred he Flintstone gets... at the end of a hard day's work. <laughs> it was absolutely no cause for it. 
Um, but you know what? It was an entrance. Like, if I could enter rooms that way, I suppose I'd do it too. So he does that, but Robin comes in crashing through a door on a motorcycle, and behind him, he leaves a perfect Robin logo through the door. Absolutely amazing. Like, and the thing is, nothing on him is Robin-shaped. It's not even like a cartoon where it's Wiley e. Coyote on the door. It's just whatever he runs Yeah, it wasn't his outline. Right. It's, it's the Robin symbol. That is now in the wall of this museum, which again, like they have to pay to fix all of this. Guys, it's a museum. It's expensive <laughs> stuff. Freeze gets, uh, gets the diamond. He's just uh, says some cool ice pun. What? Quick, quick question, Andrew. What was your favorite Mr. Freeze pun throughout the entirety of Batman Robin? We'll be jumping around a little bit while we do this. So it was like, yeah, we're, we're going to like recap the movie enough that you guys can follow it, but we're mostly going to pick out the scenes where we think they mo- went the most wrong. Um, the thing is, it was like Mr. Freeze subsisted entirely on puns. It was like he needed them to survive. And my favorite one was not a pun because he delivered it like he thought it was a pun. Where he says, What killed the dinosaurs? Guys, age! And then shoots his gun. And it was like, one, I mean... Not not really. Like, yes, the cold killed them from a, a an asteroid explosion, but but no. But also, this isn't a pun. This is just historical facts here, if you happen to get them well, right. Well, he is a doctor. Didn't. I am going to defer to him on this one. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure this was his specialty before he, he went His doctorate was actually in history. He should not have been experimenting on sicknesses and ill people. Right. This is how, how Mr. Free... By the way... He he dropped his his label like he earned a doctorate, and then he went to Mister Freeze, which was very Jekyll and Hyde. It's like, dude, you can you can still go by doctor. Yeah, exactly. That. that no, that I've never thought about that. He is a he is a medical doctor, and yet he chose for his supervillain name to just drop it entirely. Like like maybe maybe where he got the degree revoked it once he switched to ice based crime. Maybe, except there are so many doctors in the supervillain meta. There are so many of them. That's fair. He should... Okay, so big problem with this movie. Here's where it went wrong. He should have been Dr. Freeze. Right. In fact, his last name was Freeze, spelled differently. Spelled, spelled like fries. Um, so, like, his, his supervillain name was just his regular name, but less impressive. That That's what he <laughs> thought was the most terrifying thing to go with. So... Uh, Mr. Freeze goes to make his getaway where he is uh, chased after by Batman Robin, who for some reason already had ice skates built into their shoes. Right. When they go to this museum, Alfred introduces as like there's a new villain, Mr. Freeze. They they have no reason to prepare for this. Mr. Freeze has not been a player to this point. And not only that, but the blades come out so far those they would have had to have been wearing like five inch platforms, or the blades were already in their feet when they extended. Once again, this is not something I thought about, but you are completely right. Those blades do come out very far. They were either wearing huge platforms or like their feet have blades in them, which once again, I'm starting to learn a lot of powers Batman and Robin did not have in the comics. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah. I guess my biggest problem with this movie is the physics of it. For some reason, like none of this is, is necessary. As like I realize that the thing is like the opening two scenes of this movie 
had so much ridiculousness. We've got a lot more to cover, but there was so much here that was so good because it was so bad. We've got to tell you about Most it. of this episode is going to be talking about the first two scenes of this movie, and then we're just going to skip, and then yeah. and then the Batman wins. Been slipping. Here's the thing with the skates. I feel like Joel Schumacher was told that the Batman ice skate was going to be a hot new item. Because, like, every now and then it just feels like, it's just like, this is going to be product placement. We have to do a toy commercial here. And so they were like, okay, let's focus on the skates. This is the skate scene. He actually was told that about, about the, a lot of the movie. He, he was? He apologized to the fans afterwards. And he was told that they wanted this movie uh, to be a delivery device for, for Batman products. So that's why they wanted everything to look toy-ish uh, as something that they could easily transform into action figures and, and other, you know, sellable products as an artist i find that disgusting but as somebody who was seven years old when this movie came out i bought a whole lot of this shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it worked and also again like as an artist yes but as someone who doesn't have money yeah i'll I'll take that deal (laughs) so uh they managed to uh chase after mr freeze he then escapes in a rocket ship to go to space. That is strapped to the back of his car. Yeah. They're... Like, he could have driven the car out. In fact, the car picks him up later. So the car obviously got out. He could have just driven the car out. But instead, they shoot a rocket off the car. Here's my thing. Once you have this much technology and you're able to build a rocket, how much more was the diamond that you're stealing than all of that <laughs> equipment? <laughs> right. Also, they, his suit is powered by laser-enhanced or by diamond-enhanced lasers, which I thought, oh, they reflect it through the diamonds. No, apparently, like, the suit just eats the diamonds because <laughs> he keeps needing more. <laughs> You're right. We so wouldn't burn really, through you know, the diamonds if it's just reflecting through things. It would It would have been fine. But, no, I, I kind of pictured it, it, it like the plant from Little Shop of Horrors <laughs> where his suit is just... Feed me, Seymour. Andrew, I'm going to be honest with you. I have a whole thing about Little Shop of Horrors that I'm going to get to later in this episode. But uh, just so you know, listeners, uh, we did not plan this. This is going to be a very Little Shop of Horrors heavy episode. Guys, you've got to understand how exciting this is for us as a new podcast where Wen and I are good friends. We, we, we know how to do this, but also to realize how on we, we try not to prep too much so we can do this and how much we're consistently on the same page of completely unrelated stuff. It's uh, <laughs> all right. This is going to be a fun one. This is going to be a fun so, one. So they're in the rocket ship. And this, this was one of my favorite parts, because, again, this is a uh, a, a well-respected scientist. They are in a rocket ship. And he says, at 30,000 feet, your heart will freeze. 30,000 fle- feet, the height that planes fly at. <laughs> they, they are not even out of the surface. They are in the same atmospheric layer we're in on the ground. And he talks about the icy cold of space, which they are one-tenth of the way towards. It is supposed to explode one-tenth of the way to, to space. So this is his... And, and ice is forming. Ice is... I mean, like... I'm sure it's cold, but Mr. Freeze, do not believe he got his degree. That's probably why he switched to Mr. So so far his no so far his history is bullshit, and his his uh, environmental science is garbage. So he really should have just stuck with right. medical facts if he's going to make all these puns. Right. <laughs> it's amazing. Like right, the puns were his his biggest downfall, as it is for most comedians too. But that's not really what he was. Yeah, going that's for. fair enough. So they managed to escape. So uh, Freeze is just like, I'm gonna have this lo- rocket go to space. You'll die, and then he jumps out of it to reveal that he had wings built into his suit, 
which was also a thing where I was like, not a parachute. That was, I was like, that's a toy. That was, there's definitely a Mr. Freeze wings toy that you could buy, but fair enough. And Batman Robin escaped this thing by like surfing on the doors out into space while an explosion happens behind them, which I'm, you have to remember, this was the 90s. Like, space surfing was probably the coolest thing in the world. It, it was, but, like, at no point did they deploy parachutes. Like, their, their, their bat suits had ice skates, but not parachutes. They just land on a slanted roof as if that wouldn't crush their legs. Also, I feel like this would help you guys that Mr. Freeze is played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. So you got to picture all of these deliveries with that intensity and accent. I cannot believe that they were just like, who's going to play this decorated doctor who's the only man who can solve this uh, this disease that is going to play a big part of the plot? And they're like, well, that's got to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> like, in the 90s... It's got to be. No, no other in choice. In the 90s, Arnold Schwarzenegger had, like, two modes. And that was... Uh, Dad with an Austrian accent that is just middle America and it's never referenced <laughs> that he's insanely jacked or scientist yeah. that nobody ever references as insanely jacked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was just, you have to accept this as just a general trope of, hey, you could probably look like this too. And I assume that was, that was the message they're going for. Like, here. what a fuck you to Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Bale's gaining weight, losing weight. He's probably like taking twenty years off of his life. Meanwhile, Arnold Schwarzenegger was like, "I'm not going to stop juicing for anything. I don't care what role you want me to play. I'm working out for eight hours. I'm going to take these steroids, and if you want me to play a doctor, I'll play a doctor. But the glasses is the biggest transformation I'm going to make." <laughs> yeah, that that was absolutely it. And it was just full commitment to, they, they said he's a biathlete in a very passing way. So it was like, oh, that's why he's jacked. Like, we're, like he's no longer an Olympian. He doesn't need to keep doing this. In, in fact, he, he's, he's undergone a lot of stuff since then. This is probably not his main focus yeah, anymore. Yeah, he definitely shouldn't be focusing on his body nearly as much as he clearly is every single day of his life. So this is, I, I feel like you got the gist of Mr. Freeze. When, how about you tell us a bit about Poison Ivy? Here? Okay, so we then go to... I think it's like coastal South America, right? We're in South America now where we're transported to this uh, jungle it's somewhere, jungle yeah. layer where uh, Pamela Isley is working on her plants and she finds out that her partner has secretly been like holding people captive and performing experiments on them to a group of people that he calls the Ununited Nations. Right. It was it was a lot. I mean, I feel like like it wouldn't have been a good name, but it would have been a more clever pun if he called it the Ided Nations to just like remove the un instead of add another. Yeah, un. he added two uns in there. So that's just messy. <laughs> but two, like all the nations are there. Currently, they're working towards a similar goal of world domination. I feel they are in some respects united. That's another good point. Right. They were clearly in this together in some form. And right, so he's been stealing her research, and he's got a room that's locked off, and she's take, she's dictating to herself, and she says he he's stealing my stuff, and he won't let me go in there, and it's got like four signs saying don't go in there, and then she just walks in there. It's like, dude, you could have done this at any time. What was with the narration? <laughs> so she goes in there, and like they take this little scrawny guy, they put him on a table, they hook him up to a bunch of wires, and 
they're saying like, oh, this is a, a combination of steroids and poison, a super soldier serum that we call Venom. And they pump this guy up and you realize that this man is Bane, but not the Bane you're used to. He's not the Bane. Not the amazing Bane from the comic books in the future movie, which has one of the coolest villain backstories overall. Yeah, he's none of that. He's not going, he's not, I am Gotham's Reckoning. He's not that Bane. He's more just like, Bane. He just says his name and <laughs> yeah. just like whatever last word he heard for the rest of the movie. So Bane is basically a jacked parrot. Exactly. That is all he is. There's no point to even call him Bane. He could have just been a strong guy, but you know what? Comics is is not the strong suit. So uh, Pamela Isley, po- later to be Poison Ivy, she's backing away. She's just like, you're a madman. And he's like, let's rule the world together. And she she's, she's like, you're insane. He's like, I don't take rejection well. And he murders her, uh, which, and let's be honest. I feel like a... A big point here, when when he's attacking her and she's angry, he stole her research, and she said when she gets through, he won't be able to get a job teaching high school chemistry. He is experimenting on humans to sell a super soldier weapon to enemies of the United States. It was like, he's going to be in jail. He's not going to get a job anywhere. How is your threat? He's going to be out of work for a bit. Look, look, Poison Ivy has a lot of bad threats throughout this entire movie. This isn't even going to scratch the surface of them. But like he throws, he like he says, I take rejection poorly, murders her. And in his defense... He was right. He took that very poorly when she said she didn't want to be with him. That's true. He was right. At least he's honest. And then she just kind of sinks into the ground, which also isn't kind of referenced. She just goes, oh, like he just looks at it and he's just like, oh, well, that that clears that up. And he walks away. Right. He doesn't check anything. And the stuff he pushes her into, she's been trying to breed snakes and plants. So plants will be able to defend themselves. Um, My main issue here was that Plants have defense mechanisms, and it's often poison. Like the one thing you would get from snakes. <laughs> there, there is no benefit to this crossbreeding attack. So she, she then, like, a few, let's say days, I don't care, days go by, and she, re, yeah. like, rises from the rubble insanely hot. I think that's the main point that we're supposed to take away from this. She was mousy was. before, was but now... And you know what? Uh, once again, Joel Schumacher, I'll give it. This is this is one of those where he was like, this one's for me. Uh, this is going to be campy. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Uh, Uma Thurman kind of acts uh, not unlike a drag queen or dresses unlike a drag queen for the rest of the film. But when she rises, she's super hot. And she's just like, my blood is aloe. My sweat is chlorophyll. And like, I'm just like, well, you should be dead. And... And that was like a four-minute transformation. Like, the doctor is still in the room. I I don't know what amount of time has passed by, but immediately she's just like, just so you know, I thought about it, and we should be together, and goes to kiss him, only to reveal that her lips are now poison. That's where the name comes from. Poison Ivy. Pamela Isley oh my becomes God. Poison <laughs> Ivy. Absolutely incredible. In theory. Exactly. And she sees a glass that says Wayne Enterprises on it, and she's like, Wayne Enterprises, guess I'm going to Gotham. And that's how she is introduced into our tale. It's absolutely amazing. And by the way, she leaves us by burning down the building, and her whole thing 
again, part, part of the reason that um, I loved it in Harley Quinn so much was that they made her, it was like, yeah, I'm going to kill people, but I'm going to kill, kill people because I want to protect plants. That, that was Poison Ivy's thing. She cared about the earth. And they made this the same thing here, except she then burns down the facility with all of her plants in it. With all her it. plants in it, and it's in the middle of the woods. She probably burnt a good amount of the right. Amazon doing this. Right, and it's like, okay, you know, maybe maybe just some self-awareness here is something we should be working on. Yeah, yeah, maybe look inward here, Pamela. You could have <laughs> did a lot of damage. So now we have all of our people located in Gotham. We have all of our characters. They're all here now, and they're, this is where the movie still is completely lost and makes no sense. Yeah, we've got, we've got Batgirl showing up, who just kind of shows up, Alfred's niece. They call her Barbara, obviously... We know Batgirl should be Commissioner Gordon's daughter, but they made her. Um, but they made her Alfred's niece. A completely rational thing to do because this movie. Here's the thing: there's a good movie. Commissioner Gordon's there, a moron There's a here. good uh, relationship drama of Batman and and Alfred. That's a very like important relationship. They do flashbacks to Alfred basically raising Bruce after the death of yeah. his parents, like. That that stuff's good. Like that's interesting things. I I felt like a the only time I felt anything for this movie was during those scenes because Michael Gal uh, had been playing Alfred for like eight years at this point. Like he was Alfred. It's, he was, and these scenes are resonating because they introduced in the beginning as soon as from that first scene when and I talked about uh, where he says I'll cancel the pizza. We then see him kind of stumble a bit. We realize he's very sick. Um, so the whole thing, like if they had just waited the whole thing towards this relationship, it could have been a solid emotional piece. Um, but they didn't do that. They, they went another way where they just kept kind of like suddenly having him double over and be like, oh, hey, Alfred's sick and they don't know it yet. Yeah, it, it, it was done very poorly, but they introduce uh, Barbara, Alfred's niece, and she is also like a, they kind of rehashed the plot point of like when Robin moved in of him stealing the cars and going racing with them and just do the exact same thing with her. Like they have the exact exact same same character arc as Robin in Batman Forever, which is very weird. It it was. It was just like, hey, we did this and it was okay then. (laughs) You you gotta give us something new. Because Gotham is nothing but neon painted street gangs in these so much neon like it it hurts your eyes i gotta say like the thing that would keep people from gang violence in gotham isn't better schools it is purely just the threat of i gotta put all that shit on i'm not doing (laughs) it at one point ivy takes over an abandoned warehouse and by the way there it's an abandoned warehouse you can find another one there's there's no reason this is the perfect location and they've, they've got this gang that is just covered in the neon. Like, the neon paint is all around you. You don't need to paint yourself, too. Yeah, they, it's all around. They're head to toe, and Bane kicks their asses, which it's as he is wont to do, and so they run away. And so Bane then has to go through the process of cleaning this place to now be Right, I guess Bane did it. Yeah, I guess Bane has to, to wipe all that fucking neon paint off the walls. You know what I just realized is that Bane is Ivy's Alfred. He's just terrible <laughs> That's I, a big fan of that. So, <laughs> so uh, Batman and Robin have set a trap for Mister Freeze that they are going to uh, do an auction for the Wayne jewels, and 
Poison Ivy... Because he needs more diamonds because they just eat them instead of reflecting light. Yeah, and Poison Ivy decides that she's going to steal these jewels in order to, like, fund her research because she goes to Bruce Wayne and, like, asks for, for his help, and he's just like, the environment, go fuck yourself because we cannot forget that above all else, Bruce Wayne is a billionaire. If anything else, this is right. this is the movie where he's most a billionaire because at his party later, the all the performances are very racist. Very like a a, a better movie would have just been the entire time Bruce Wayne trying to guess the price of an orange. <laughs> <laughs> he has no concept. Like that would have been the most accurate de- depiction of Bruce Wayne's current state. He is here. so like he's never been more clearly a billionaire than when played by George Clooney, who is making fun of somebody's like caring about the environment and like having a party that's a lot of people like dressed in African attire and doing dances. Like that's where, that's where he really sinks in that this man is out of touch. It was also a mix. There was, there was a lot of, of uh, like uh, South Asian and an Islander mix. It was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to offend a lot of races here at once. If possible, we're going to throw a lot of whole ham on, on the racist party. Yeah. But uh, then we are introduced to like poison ivy for the first time in like full poison ivy like outfit she does a she looks she does a sexy dance in a gorilla costume and like everyone's kind of into it and she's like blows her pheromone powder makes batman and robin like get into a fight about her but the entire time it's set to the song poison ivy but like with a smooth jazz cover which i gotta say so heavy it was it was heavy-handed but uh, big fan (laughs) okay So she's blowing this this pheromone, and this is, by the way, they're auctioning off a date with these some models who are going to wear the the diamonds because obviously they're not going to actually give up the diamonds. You know, come on, we're billionaires for a reason here. So, uh, Poison Ivy is now introducing herself as an auction, and Batman and Robin are going back and forth, bidding on her in the millions, uh, which like just so heavily tipping your hand here. That's your Bruce that Wayne. You are one of like, <laughs> right, one of ten people with enough money. So at, at like. Seven million dollars. He pulls out a credit card that says Batman on it, which is just who who is issuing this card? What kind of background check did, did they give a no limit credit card to to a person with no address and no identity? They also made the uh, the expiration date forever, which I definitely very much oh enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I you're right. I do remember that. That that's pretty good. That's a solid. I mean, bit. it's terrible, it's a solid but bit. also like I can appreciate it. It's a solid bit. I'll give him points for but that. But here's the thing. I think. Uh, this is the only Batman film, I think, out of any of them. And you can say what you want about, I mean, Batman 89, classic. Batman uh, 1992, very good. Forever, I enjoyed. But out of all the Batman movies ever made, this is the one where Batman gets roofied the most. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it happens to him a lot, too. But, yeah, in this one, it's just kind of over and over, pheromones. And he at least gets it quickly. He's like, oh, we're being poisoned because there's no reason we should be in love after four seconds. And Robin's like, no, I'm pretty sure I'm in love. Yeah, he, he, I'm pretty sure this is a you He thing. gets very angry. He's just like, how dare you say that I've been roofied? <laughs> this is real. It was very like Romeo and Juliet level of drama. Yeah. And it was like, okay, cool. You're supposed to be a superhero, so maybe put this down a yeah, little yeah. bit. Robin is very concerned about getting laid on the job. Let's like he gets. Oh my! He gets very angry when he when he is not able to pursue her. <laughs> this is by far 
the horniest Batman. This movie is so horny. And like, there are some lines in here. (laughs) At one point, Robin is just like, give me a sign that I can trust you. And Poison Ivy says, how about slippery when wet? Oh my God. This is a, <laughs> which also, I mean, a good line. Good line. So but much. But that is so like sexually explicit for what is essentially a movie for seven-year-olds. It is because it's like you, you spent the whole rest of the movie setting this up. Like, hey, we're going to be really campy. We're going to be really big and have a lot of colors. We're going to make this kid friendly. It's like, hey, how about though if like Robin wants to fuck everyone? Robin <laughs> wants to fuck that. everyone. Poison Ivy roofies like 19 people. Uh, like, yeah. it's just very explicitly sexual for what is essentially a children's movie. But anyways, Mr. Freeze breaks in, Poison Ivy doesn't get the diamonds, but Batman captures Mr. Freeze, and they send him to Arkham Asylum. Classic. Which is uh, a giant island in the middle of, I guess, Lake Gotham, or if it's a coastal city, I don't know. They never make it clear. But it's a, it's a giant uh, island fortress where Mr. Freeze is put into a jail cell where he's only allowed within like three feet of an ice ray that keeps him cold. Right. He has to stay below zero degrees to survive because he's, he's by the way, I'm not sure we mentioned this. He's, he had an experiment to try and save his wife who was dying. He froze her. So he had time to figure it out at the time he froze himself. Like we'll recap the movie a little bit, but it's mostly about the worst scenes here. Exactly. So yeah. So he froze himself. He has to stay cold. That's got night suit. He's now got three feet where he has to stay cold, and somehow he's forgotten the thing that he's defined his entire personality on and just tries to run, (laughs) just makes a break for it. And they're like, okay, cool, but you got to go back in the cold ray because of everything we've introduced up until this He immediately starts to die, and the guards pick him up and place him on the bed. My main thing is one of the guards has an eye patch, and that's like such a strong character choice for a character that has like no lines in this movie. Right. The guard had no point. It was like, oh, what, what's what's his backstory? And all I can assume is that right before shooting, the guard scratched his eye. Like, like I, wanted to be... I think it was like a real life eye patch and they had to just put it in. I was just in. like, what's his story? Tell me more about guard number two. Yeah. And by the way, so the guards are guarding him from the inside. They stay in the cell with him. And that is because the only way to unlock the doors are with buttons on the inside of the cell. Like, later on, the guards are banging on the door trying to get in. There is no way inside the cell except for the prisoner to unlock it. <laughs> like a child who's locked in their room for detention. That's how all... <laughs> Why build an island fortress if all the cells are, have indoor locks? Right. It was it was incredible. I gotta say, why did was Batman needed to capture this man in the first place? His lair was an abandoned ice cream factory with spotlights on it. Like, literally, like, two I know. giant party spotlights going across it while he made his henchmen sing as loud as they could, I'm Mr. White Christmas from the year without Santa Claus. Which, by the way, was my favorite part of the movie, was the clip from the year without Santa Claus <laughs> was my favorite part of all of Batman That's impressive, because uh, as we established in the first episode, you're Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> It, it is still adorable. <laughs> it transcends religion. So he's he, he makes him sing that, and then like his henchwoman comes up, and she's like in a a, a snow bikini and like a, a cape, and she's like trying to flirt with him, and he turns her down. 
and like fair, like good. You're not sexually harassing your employees. But at the same time, why is she here? Right. It's like, I mean, what, what did you hire her for? Because it's, it's, she could have other skills. Sure. But also the, every other henchman is in there shivering and she's got this see-through coat on. She cannot be that bright. What is she supplying to if the she's team? She's not here? there for sex. I'm sorry, give her a better outfit because you're just putting her through hell for no reason. It was it was very like, I'm going to objectify you, but then say no. Like they wanted it to be a redeeming quality, but also then you remember he set all of this yeah, up. Yeah, like he, he so, did not have to make her wear that. They try to make him be like, he loves his wife very much, but like he's still being a fucking creep to put her in that outfit. Absolutely. It was, yeah, it was not at all appropriate. So- uh, that, you know, not our biggest issue with Mr. Freeze overall, it was probably the trying to murder the world, but we didn't like this part either. I mean, fair. Yeah, trying to murder the world is is the big thing. So now, uh, Poison Ivy breaks Mr. Freeze out of Arkham Asylum. Uh, how, how do they do this? Well, she gives him his suit and he freezes the pipes, which blasts a hole in the wall. Which, by the way, if it is that easy to break out, it's like you have winters there. You should be more prepared. Yes, exactly. So they break out in this way and they decide that they're going to make the plan uh, that she convinces him that Batman murdered his wife. And he just kind of buys that because Batman is famous for randomly murdering people. (laughs) That's his thing. (laughs) So, of course, really, she's again in this cryostasis and poison ivy unfreezes it because uh, she says she's jealous. And it's like, you, I don't think you really like this guy that much. I, I don't know what your deal is yeah. here, but, but like sure. Batman okay. and Robin had the excuse that they were roofied, but poison ivy fell in love with Mr. Freeze after four seconds. And he has, he right. makes bad puns. He has no charisma. I get he's jacked, but also you can't touch the man. It sounds, this right. is a poor crush on her part. It was one of many poor decisions Poison Ivy will make, but the dumbest by far. And so she decides that they're going to make the plan that Mr. Freeze is going to freeze the entire world and then kill everyone. And when it thaws, her like raptor plants are then going to take. So it's essentially her part of it. The whole plant sticking over the world is the same plot that. The plant had in Little Shop of Horrors, which is the reference I was going to get back to. <laughs> it even looks like the plant from Little Shop of Horrors. This is a very Little Shop of Horrors themed plant. I had not made that connection at all, but now that you say it, you're right. I mean, it was a plant, but it's, it's you know, bud was like snake shaped. But again, it, it's still planted in one place. It can just bite people, which if you're poison, you don't need to be able to do. And her whole thing is wanting to save the world. You know what plants don't like? is cold like you're going to destroy every plant for to introduce your new hybrid plant to defend themselves which they don't need to do because everyone is dead they do not they do not it's a bad plan but you know what that's the evil plan that we're working with so sure uh the plan is they're going to bust into the observatory they're going to turn the telescope into a ray gun which easy to do everyone knows that telescopes like one step away from ray guns to be yeah exactly with. fine we're gonna we're gonna roll with this uh so batman and robin uh they have a big fight where it's like we don't trust each other we're not partners and robin leaves so that he can go sleep with poison ivy like that's his that's been his 
game uh since scene like whole since movie. like yep. scene two or three he's just like i'm getting laid there's nothing you could do about it old man and like which honestly the most realistic part of the movie. yeah no it, like look robin is definitely his adopted son but like he's also like clearly a 30 year old man he should he should be this hard <laughs> up okay <laughs> he's a right he's a body like he has the perfect body if you are to believe his muscle suit like he should not be this desperate right. your dad's a billionaire yeah. you can you, you've got the other man options. that adopted you when you were 28 is a billionaire <laughs> <laughs> so he goes after poison ivy and like she they have this whole seduction thing where like he's has her admit her plan and then he goes in to kiss her and like you're like oh no with by the way the shiniest lips in the, the world shiniest lips because it reveals to you that ha Batman and Robin weren't fighting. Robin was wearing fake, like, rubber lips in order to trick Which, her into, like, revealing her plan and kissing him. Imagine having that much faith in the precision of your kissing <laughs> that you think no poison is going to go past this one-inch strip of this, rubber like, little piece of lips. saran wrap you put on your lips. Yeah. So it, she reveals the— It feels very much like— like a 10th grader finding out his girlfriend had herpes and was like, no, don't worry about it. I got a solution. So she admits her plan. Uh, they managed to, uh, they start the fight with poison Ivy, but guess what? They're a little overwhelmed. And that's when we're introduced to the, the new hero on the block, Batgirl. How did Batgirl Fantastic. come to be Andrew? So Batgirl arrives because Alfred, as we've discussed earlier is dying. Uh, in fact, we think he's just sick until Batman said, Alfred's not sick. He's dying. You know, he wouldn't tell us, but I know, which means he has decided without any medical intervention that he is able to correctly diagnose Alfred's condition as not just unhealthy, but deadly. And of course, it's the exact same thing that Mr. Freeze's wife had. That's so, fine. I'm, fi I'm fine know, with that coincidence, but I'm also kind of weirded out by his approach of just like, Alfred's dying, but he's too proud to talk about it, and I don't really care. So we're not going to either. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's too proud to so talk about it. it. Was... I don't care. We're at an impasse. <laughs> so Alfred's got a dying wish. Uh, he gives Barbara this computer disc. Barbara, by the way, it goes to Oxbridge, which, you know, common trope. Uh, you don't want to say Oxford or Cambridge. You say Oxbridge. Oxbridge. Um, so it's been used in books for a couple hundred years now. And, and Batman tries to briefly pretend that uh, it's, it's very highbrow and uses Oxbridge. So he gives it this disc as delivered to my brother. Uh, I have obligations. Of course, it's all of the, the Batman coded stuff. She was a computer science major. So of course she can hack this, uh, which she begins by guessing the password which she thinks could be four things. First, Alfred's own name, <laughs> Wayne, England, or it is in fact Peg, which is written on a picture of his sister next to the computer. It says, love Peg. The guy entrusted with Batman and Robin's deepest secret has a three-letter password written next to the computer, and our hacker has figured it out by just typing words until she gets Okay, I'm going to be honest. I now understand why Bruce Wayne was completely cool with Alfred dying a few minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Makes a lot more sense now. So she figures it out. She finds the Batcave. She, she, you know, reads the disc. And Alfred has a recording of himself that says, I hope you'd find it. It was like, cool, maybe you shouldn't have made your dying wish that she never opened this thing. Yeah. That's just being a dick for no reason. So he's already built a suit for her. She uh, goes Very to save the day, help fight off Poison Ivy. by the way. 
incredibly. Like, they obviously can't put the nipples on this one, so instead they just highlight the breasts by, by putting circles underneath like he them. he clearly, like, had, like, exact proportion and sizes, which I'm, like, did he bring this up in conversation? And he's still your favorite <laughs> uncle? Like, what's what's going on here? There, there's, there's a lot that we had issues with. But you know what? I'm, I'm giving the benefit of Alfred in general. I like, I'm like, you know what? They've got kind of laser sculpting stuff to begin with. Maybe she just walked through something that read her measurements. And built sure, that would be an even creepier invasion of her privacy. But, but okay, <laughs> like, none of the options are good. But I'd rather blame Batman than than blame Alfred. Fair here. enough. So, so she ends up saving the boys from poison ivy. They kick her into a plant, which like incapacitates her, which like plants are your whole thing. But sure, she falls into a plant and can't get out, and like that's how they get rid of her. In fact, the plant when they walk in, the plant is around her. She commands it to open. She falls into the same plant that then eats her this time to die. And now they're just like, okay, let's focus on Freeze. And they go to after him. But they've all changed outfits into what I'm sure were different toy alternates. All riding yes. on vehicles that were highlighted to clearly be like, buy this action figure with this toy. And there's just like a scene where they're just driving that lasts very long of them just kind of like, weaving through bombs. But it's mostly just like a toy commercial for them to then get to yeah. Mr. Freeze. They then, yeah. oh, no, no, sorry, it's, I'll keep going, I'll keep going, I got this. So they then <laughs> get to Mr. Freeze, what you need to know is Batwoman, or Batgirl, sorry, Batgirl, they actually even say it isn't PC to call her that, which, like, what a billionaire thing to do to rant about PC culture in the middle of the world ending, but sure. In a really sarcastic way, too, it's like, it's, it's not, maybe we should work to change this, but in a way where it's like he's even being more condescending than normal. Bruce Wayne is definitely a dick in this movie, but... Yeah, so uh, Batgirl and Robin fight Bane. Batman fights Mr. Freeze. They manage to unfreeze the city because everything got frozen in the fakest ice you've ever seen. It was, and also they keep saying you got 11 minutes to unfreeze, but they don't establish when that begins, which is supposed to be when it starts to freeze. And also everything unfreezes immediately, but nothing burns. Everyone just kind of walks away with snow on them. Everyone just has a light dusting of snow and no frostbite, but... Fine. It's, I'll give it comic book movie logic of just like this sure. is the this uh, cult blue ray free, freezes them. This yellow ray unfreezes them. Everyone is now fine. Uh, Batman just goes, I didn't kill your wife. She's alive. He's overjoyed. And he's just like, but by the way, I need the cure for the disease that Alfred's got. And Mr. Freeze, to his credit, apparently carries that on him. In, like, a secret compartment on his wrist, he just carries a cure that is useful to no, no one. No, it's useful to a, apparently a lot of people. He's just kind of been sitting on it, but just because his wife can't take it, he just doesn't give it to the world. I guess I just assumed it was just those two with it. They pretend it's very rare. But, yeah, you're right. They could have helped somebody, but Mr. Freeze is like, no, it's, it's pretty much just this one lady that I'm, I'm yeah, working on. Yeah, yeah, he's just her. like, look, I could try to cure the, everyone with this disease because it's apparently a thing that a doctor could do a home visit and diagnose. Uh, so, like, <laughs> obviously a lot of people have this, but just because his wife got into, like, the later stages of it, he does not give anyone the cure for phase one until Batman's just like, Hey, I need this. Can you can you do it? And he's just like, take two of these and call me in the morning. Which once again, you're a doctor. Stop going by Mister. You went to school. <laughs> Alfred, Al Alfred is on his deathbed. Their word's not going to get back in time. But the cure is only for stage one. His wife is frozen in stage four. 
So it was like may, maybe you need don't know what stages are. Is that is that possible here? So so Alfred wakes up cured the next morning, and everyone has a big group hug, and then you get this action shot of all three running in front of the bat signal, and that is how you end. Batman and Robin in such a bad way that we would not have another Batman film for eight years. It was, yeah, they, <laughs> they held off for a long time. They in fact completely rebooted the series to bring it back, uh, which, which was, was a good call. Uh, so yeah, that was it. Batman and Robin. That was, uh, that was where it went wrong for us. And now we have a segment that uh, I deeply enjoy when I'm not the one doing it. In their defense, where Wen has to defend this movie, he just spent an hour talking about how terrible it was. Wen, what have you got for us? Andrew, I have something very simple for you, and we're going to have to go back. Uh, this movie came out in 1997, but in the 1960s, there was a very popular Batman show starring Adam West. Uh, that show was, had a very cheesy tone. It had a lot of pals, blams when there were punches. What you need to understand is that was what Batman was to, like, our parents and our grandparents. Like, that was how they knew of Batman. Batman wasn't this dark, brooding character to them. He was a light, fluffy man that kind of told you, you know, to go to school. And also, you don't have to do crunches in order to be a superhero. That's <laughs> who he was. And you know what? Batman and Robin is a return to the 1960s Batman. It's not for edgy teens and adults that want to go to a superhero movie. It is made for children. Children who apparently understand a lot about sex. Because once again, <laughs> this movie is very, very horny. But you know what? It really helped me come along, I think, maybe. This gave me a lot of messed up stuff, probably, that is going to come out later in life. And for that, I am thankful to you, Batman and Robin, for uh, fulfilling my need for a new Batman film as a child. And once again, as a seven-year-old, this movie ruled. And also fueled probably later things that came out in my teen years that I didn't recognize at the time. So for two <laughs> reasons, in their defense, Batman and Robin, not the worst movie ever made. You know, I was so prepared to rebuttal that first half with, but... Why was it so horny then? That was good. That was going to be the basis of my counterpoint. But no, you nailed that well. It was like, you know what? They they knew what their audience wanted, and, and they just leaned way too way far Way too into far it. into it. Uh, but I'm sure this movie sold toys, and I'm sure for, for kids that were like seven, eight, nine, this movie was, was what you wanted it to be. So that is in my defense, uh, and that... My friend is our episode for the week. How'd you feel about that? Fantastic. I had a lot of fun. How about uh, you? I'm having a great time. So next week, we are actually breaking away from movies, and we're going to talk about a historical event. So uh, that's it for me. Guys, listen to us again next week, and hey, have a good week, Andrew. Have a good week, Wen. All right. Bye.